Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Screen Heroes podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, and I have with me my long-running co-hosts, my lovely friends, Ryan Hello. and Ray. Hello. Sorry, I was doing something on the computer at the same time, and my brain just didn't want to handle both. So No, it's fine. I'll, I'm fine being your friend. Are we not friends? Did you hear that, Ryan? We're not. Her and I are not friends. I mean, I I knew that, but wow. Okay, all right. Well, my colleagues and I will do a podcast. Hey, I, we're for still you. friends. <laughs> I'm looking for a blanket term here so we can move on. Oh, okay. My fellow, you can't blanket Ryan and I. That's right. That's maybe that's why we're not. You, you and her aren't friends anymore. I'll man. blanket you. What wow inappropriate <laughs> so inappropriate so we're doing a podcast that's right we talk uh movies we talk tv on the show that's kind of our thing this week we we're discussing the live action remake of mulan that came out in 2020 in september on disney plus and theaters outside the united states so that's our main topic mm-hmm, before we mm-hmm. do that we're talking news and I'm going to kick things over to Ray, and she's going to lead the charge. All right. So let's start with uh, this upcoming weekend. We've got the debut of WandaVision on the Disney+. Plus. It's going to be 30 minutes long, nine episodes, and the first two episodes are dropping this Friday, probably at the 2, 3 a.m. time that Mandalorian did. Yeah, it's confirmed for midnight Pacific time. Got it. Uh, Leading up to it, though, Marvel Legends is a quick series that it seems like they had their best graphic designers pull out of their ass. And uh, just to kind of give you like a wrap up of the characters, it's to summarize for people who have not watched all the Marvel films. And if that's you, then it's great. Like the you guys Wanda, watch them? we watched Wanda. I mean, I, I, I've watched all the films, but I still am happy. I watched them because, uh, you know, I haven't watched age of Ultron in a long time. And 
that was kind of like their big intro it was kind of it made it super obvious though about her accent just like slowly disappearing throughout the series yeah that's fair i mean it look it wasn't bad or anything and they're short right it was like seven minutes yeah Mm -hmm. seven or eight minutes each so it's just like a. I watch youtube videos longer than that most of the time right i think just for me i think it was more of a framing thing i didn't realize what it was going into it i expected it to have maybe like some interviews or behind the scenes content or like talking with Elizabeth Olsen about her inspiration for the character or whatever, you know, rather than it being like literally just a super cut kind of trailer. And it was a really nice super cut, like Ray said, but it just. If, if you haven't watched the stuff, if it's been a while, like Ryan said, these are pretty fantastic. It really will summarize things. If it doesn't matter to you, if you're going into WandaVision blind, that's cool. Or if you're going in super dedicated, then that's also fine. It's it's not necessary, but it is a nice recap if you want it. Absolutely. And there's two episodes out right now? Wanda. And there are Vision. two episodes. Yeah, Wanda is seven minutes long. Vision is six minutes long. Mostly because, you know, their stories overlap quite a bit. It did. It did make me sad watching the Vision one, knowing that like he just doesn't get that much screen time, and he's a really cool character. So I hope that they can bring him back with WandaVision. Killing him off was super disappointing because he's. Yeah. I'm not gonna say he's my favorite character in the MCU, but he's definitely up there, and I really wanted more. I will say that he's like my favorite character. They didn't really get to develop much. They're but... a side Avenger. <laughs> But the way they created him, there was no way around his death, unfortunately. Right. You know, they relied so much on the Mind Stone and, like, they they wrote themselves into it from the beginning. I mean, killing him in Infinity War, sure, but not bringing him back in Endgame, that's on them. They could have done that because that is just whatever they wanted it to be. Absolutely. Timey-wimey, you know, <laughs> Snap can do whatever it fucking wants, but yeah. So that that's really where my disappointment is. Like I understand the Infinity War aspect. It's the end game part that I'm not okay about. But For sure. I do wonder if like when we get to, you know, Cap and Iron Man, if those videos will be like 15, 20 minutes because they just have so much more content and story. Or Probably. If, or if the goal is really to keep them all to around, you know, six or seven minutes. Or if we're only going to get them for the side characters that are getting their own shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I have a feeling they'll start with, you know, Wanda, Vision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki. Yeah. And then if they're popular and they want to continue, I mean, it's not like this is hard to bust out. I bet it takes like three or four days to just put together that compilation. So I'm sure they can do it for just about every character they have. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'm sure the red tape approval process that those videos have to go through, that's really where the time is. (laughs) I mean, that's possible. Yeah. Okay, so uh, more superhero stuff, CW stuff, uh, DC stuff. So the Canary Show is not moving forward. They are, uh, CW is not picking it up, whereas HBO Max is uh, starting production on Doom Season 3. So we're never going to see the Canary Show. 
Supergirl and Black Lightning are coming to an end. And then, of course, moving forward with uh, Doom uh, Patrol and Titans. So, any thoughts on those guys? Well, don't forget the new Superman and Lois show. Right. And that one is moving forward. It's been picked up and it's going to debut uh, fairly soon, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Green Arrow and Canary show is kind of an odd one anyway. Like, even for people that watched Arrow, like me, that was a weird direction to go. I love the Canaries and the uh, actress that they got to replace Oliver Queen. She was great. But like, the way that they have to all come together and what it was going to be was going to be a really odd proposition anyway. So, you know, I'm not super surprised. I'm a little sad because those are some of my favorite characters, but uh, you know, hopefully they show up in the DCEU, not those specific versions or in the, you know, on HBO max in the show, something along those lines, you know, hopefully it opens them up in the future to be used in a less CWE property. Yeah, I'm pretty much echo everything that Ryan said. I think I kind of expected this just because so much time had gone by without any word you know, if the show was going to be picked up and, and whatnot. And like you said, you know, Superman and Lois is starting soon. We've got the new Batgirl, Batwoman, excuse me, coming in soon. We already know that Supergirl and Black Lightning are on the way out, and there was just nothing. There's just a vacuum for Canaries. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of weird. I just wonder why it took them so long to make a decision. I mean, they're interesting characters. But unfortunately, I don't think they ever gave them enough to hold their own show. And I i mean, based on what they've given Black Canary just as a whole in the comics and everything, it would be very difficult for her to hold her own show or movie at all. And lumping all three of them together, not doing like a Birds of Prey was probably not the way to go. Well, they were going to do it by doubling up the amount right, of Black Canaries right. in the show, All which is already canaries. a weird proposition. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that the way they handle Laurel in the Arrow show was already like she was one of the best side characters in that show. But I think that's as much as she ever was. It's like Diggle. I don't know if Diggle could hold his own show, you know. Well, they killed Laurel off in like season three or four. And, and then brought her back from an yeah. alternate realized how terrible of an idea was and they're like oh but what about second laurel right right exactly yeah laurel from earth 73 or whatever something like that yeah it was a pretty bad decision which was actually black siren and then it was yeah Yeah. there's weird yeah the issue i feel like the biggest issue with um arrow is i feel like they had to do they that was their test show they had to do everything uh with that show and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't and they got super timey-wimey in that last season too Mm -hmm. to try and figure that whole thing out how it was going to be structured um and it didn't really make much sense most of the time so no i agree with you guys i don't really have anything else to add to that i think you're both right Fair enough. What else we cool. got? Well, I didn't mention a few other <laughs> shows there. So uh, HBO Max moving forward, of course, with Doom Patrol Season 3 and uh, Titans. Now, the Batwoman actress from CW was spotted on the set of Titans. That may not be anything. 
Or it may be something. Or it's everything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't have a problem with her showing up in Titans. I think that's fine because bat characters are very prominent in Titans normally and in this version of the show. So there's no issue with that. I would just be a little surprised that th- if they're going to cross over the DCU shows with the CW this soon, that they would pick their newest character. That's what's surprising. I think Batwoman works out the best. I think she could meld well, especially with Batgirl being introduced in this season. But yeah, you're totally right. It is odd that they select her. It's, I don't think it's that odd. I mean, he takes place. It takes place. This next season is going to take place in Gotham, so you know it makes sense that they could run into her. I mean, if you who are you going to put Superman, the Flash? Like that doesn't make that makes way less sense. Well, I mean, Superman probably wouldn't be a great idea. I think you could make Flash work because Grant Gustin's now, especially after He's based in Gotham now? No, 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 no. That's not what I was going to say. With with Supergirl ending an arrow over, Flash is like the leader of the CW-verse at this point. And so to have him show up in Gotham is not a weird thing. I mean, he could run around the planet in a, in a couple of seconds. So going to Gotham is fast. Right, but Batwoman's got Gotham, so why would he even have to worry about it? So story-wise, it makes total sense. I'm just saying in the real world, you've got a brand new actor and you've got a brand new version of the character that's never existed in any medium before. So, so now you can introduce her to a new audience. Totally. It's just I found that interesting. It's so interesting. I it's agree. A, it's a lot to put on that character because the show's already in trouble. And if it's not well-received, now you've got a connection with a character that's not well-received on their own show. Whereas Grant Gustin, he's established. Well, I actually think that what they're doing is if they have to cancel Batwoman, they're securing her a job somewhere else. And that could definitely be it, a proactive element, because they think Batwoman will be over after this first season with her. And that's fine. That's what else we got? All right. Let me look through my notes. I sent you guys stuff. Well, I don't see anything. Derek said you were in charge of news. I know, you and I sent you guys stuff, and I said let's pick three. And oh, all right, I was eating dinner. <laughs> well, I'm gonna do this, so Ryan is gonna hate me. Derek, talk about the season finale of Star Trek Three. Of Star Trek Discovery season three. Discovery season three. So no spoilers. I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody. Uh, yeah. So Star Trek Discovery ended its third season this past week, and it uh, it was a pretty good finale. It's not. Uh, this season had some problems with it. There were some really cool character moments and some things I really did like about it. Doug Jones is he plays Saru on the show, and Doug Jones is a creature actor. He played Abe Sapien, for example on Hell, the first two Hellboy movies. He's wonderful in it. He gets to do some really amazing stuff that just lets him showcase himself as an actor, which is really amazing. There's some cool technologies because now they're they're farther in the future than we've ever been before this season, right? They're 900 years farther ahead than we last saw them in season two. So all these new technologies, it's kind of the first time Star Trek's been able to do that in, you know, over 15 years. So that's mm-hmm. been really exciting. We got you know showcases of Orions and Andorians, and like I said, I don't want to spoil anything. So if you want to talk about it with me, we do have the Red Shirts and Runabouts forum, which continues on after the podcast has ended. So that's on Facebook. You can find that uh, on Facebook, Red Shirts and Runabouts. 
and you can come talk. And of Star course, Trek. you're the Star Trek dude on Twitter, so I am. You know, they can easily talk to you about Star Trek on Twitter. I am, and I have lots of opinions. I have things I loved, and I have things I really don't like. So whichever you know angle you want to look at, we can have a conversation about it. But I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. This is the end of Star Trek, of new Star Trek for a while, though. Um, we don't have anything until the towards the end of the year. Star Trek Lower Decks season two and Star Trek Prodigy are both supposed to have mm-hmm. more content this year, but not until the fall at the earliest. So I just want to point out that, like, as your wife, I think your autobiography should be called "I Have Lots of Opinions," <laughs> and no? everyone else's opinions are wrong. No, I say true. Lots, say of, that. lots of people agree with me. So, you know, their opinions are obviously correct. All right. Well, that, that's a thing. This episode's going <laughs> swimmingly. Right? Like, maybe I shouldn't leave things. We've only done like two stupid. or three of these, right? Two or three episodes? <laughs> yeah, give or take. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fun fact this is episode 234. <laughs> In fact, we've done like a hundred this way via Zoom, and I still can't figure out how to get my camera to focus on me. <laughs> it does so really like the, sh- the mannequin that's on yeah, I don't right shoulder. It. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> it, but whatever. Maybe turn the mannequin around, and it won't focus on it. No, because then the jeans, you'll see the booty of that mannequin, and it's impressive, so I don't want to distract everybody. Maybe you should switch places with the mannequin? Oh, yeah, good call. That's, I'll think about that. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's talk uh, Justice League because okay. this—that's what we do here on the podcast. It's become the Zack Snyder Justice League podcast, kind of. Yeah, we're gonna have him as a guest when the uh, Snyder Cut releases. I, I think. wish, man. I wish. I mean, you just gotta message him on Bureau, right? Yeah, that's I true. He'll probably it. show up. I'll give it a shot. It's a shot, right? I'll message him. Shoot your shot, man. Like, what's it gonna do? So what about Justice League? Do we have something? All right. So finally, it's confirmed. It's going to be the uh, four hour long parts. Now, again, uh, pretty sure they're going to debut weekly, but it all could drop at once. Who knows? Zack Snyder's a fickle bitch sometimes. Uh, But they did announce that they are going to release physical media, Blu-ray, DVD, shortly after the entire thing wraps so once all four parts are out however that's done then really soon after we're going to get it on uh physical media and with the way Zack snyder films i bet you anything extra content will be on that which you know is kind of fading away as time goes by that'll be the six hour cut <laughs> that has justice league 2 in it the ultimate edition <laughs> uh no that's really cool i mean obviously it you know i am curious about that I, i'm where i'm hesitant is the way they handled bvs so if you bought right. the 4k edition of bvs when it first came out like so many of us did uh the ultimate cut was only digital you had to only watch it on a digital copy of the on the 4K. So the 4K disc only had the theatrical cut, even though it was the Ultimate Edition 4K box. And yeah, it's so weird. That was weird, and that was very frustrating because the type of person I am is I'm just going to always watch the Ultimate Cut. I don't know. Unless we were going to analyze the difference, I'm not going to watch the theatrical cut again. Same with like Lord of the Rings. I only watch the extended cuts of Lord of the Rings. 
and I mean, if you're buying this anyway, you probably have zero interest in the theatrical cut. Like, otherwise, you would have bought that one already. Definitely true. I more meant like I'm curious, like what content will be included <laughs> and how it'll be packaged up. Got it. Yeah, will it be a thing like, well, yeah, there's tons of extra features, but you have to stream them on whatever, you know. That would be disappointing. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, would be I, kind of funny if it was on Vero. I'm not, I'm not a big uh, physical media guy these days for movies and stuff anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was more thinking about Derek with that when I shared it in their little, little circle. Thank you. I'm excited Derek is definitely that. the big physical media guy among the three of us. That's yeah. for sure. He loves it. He craves it. So, like, unless the Snyder cut is as bad or worse than the theatrical cut that we got, I'll I'll be buying the Blu-ray. Will you be I mean, buying it in March if it releases in March? Well, yeah, I mean, that's probably. His... Yeah. Why wouldn't I? He'll he'll say. To oh, me, I don't know because you were talking about how you should maybe wait, or they might come out with a different version later that has the stuff on. I don't know. Yeah, that's always a risk now, right? Like, just this, the way they they handle releases these days. I remember, uh, I think it was The Force Awakens. They released it twice over six months, and they were completely different, like, sets of extras and versions of the film. And that's just frustrating. So I guess we'll just have to see what it is that they're releasing. Yeah, this should be interesting. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for news. So ad break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. And we're back. Okay. Yay. Fantastic. We're back, guys. And we're going to talk about the 2020 release of Mulan. Uh, the live action, of course, directed by Nikki Caro and starring Liu Yifei. And... Let's see here. So uh, the movie was pushed back. And didn't it drop on Disney Plus Premium like in August? Or was it September? Even it was September? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then in December, a couple like the first week, I think December 4th it was, it was released for uh everybody. So all users not just premium correct now it apparently did really really well though on the disney plus premium service it estimated or they estimated that it brought in over 35 million dollars on disney premium purchases and considering that was the first movie to ever do that uh that is an interesting benchmark to look at it also released internationally, it made almost seventy million internationally. So between those two, it's broken. It's it's got gone through a hundred million dollars in in total sales. Though I don't have a well, okay. The estimated production budget is two hundred million dollars, which is an interesting number. 
So definitely hasn't broken even yet from that standpoint. But it did initially increase Disney Plus users by 68%. Okay. I wonder how much has been retained. That's a good question. Uh, probably a good number just because The Mandalorian was coming up. And people probably just said, screw it, and they stuck around for that. But I do yeah. not have those numbers. That's fair. I, mean, I don't know if they ever even release those numbers. Yeah, they usually don't release retention numbers. So that makes sense. But this movie is so weird because it had so much controversy and then delays because of the pandemic. So mm -hmm. um, it just, I guess we could start in like the controversy in America. So of course it is incredibly different from what we saw in the 1998 animated Mulan. And, like, there's no music, no singing, none of that. And Mulan, in my opinion, has some of the best Disney songs ever written. So I was a little bummed. But I understood why they did it. They claimed that it was... Uh, they wanted to appeal to the Chinese market. And there was a lot that offended the Chinese. Or they just thought was tacky uh, back in the 90s. So... I know they wanted to appeal more to them. I mean, it's the largest movie demographic outside of the U.S., and it is their story. It's not really, like, mm -hmm. our story. <laughs> right. I mean, just to clarify for anyone who's not aware, none of us are Chinese. Right. You didn't know. So this, yeah. is, this is our perspective as not being Chinese people. I think that's just, just in case anybody wasn't aware. I mean, obviously, if you're watching – you know, you can see that we're very white people, but you know, if you just listen to the show, you don't know. I don't know if my focus stays as blurry. Maybe I can look a little more Chinese. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> You're not that blurry. Okay, <laughs> it's hard to tell. Um, yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of, of controversy around those types of things, and especially like uh, the you know Eddie Murphy's character, the dragon Mushu. Like he he was not well received by chinese people either and that character doesn't even exist in this movie instead. no so the ancestral guardian is a phoenix not a dragon and it seems to magically appear for the sake of mulan it's not like a talking character it's more in her head it's it's a video game uh points you in the right direction right device is all right. it is it does a little more than that does it? More. Well, at the end, it does. Well, spoiler warnings okay. for the live-action Mulan, and I guess the animated Mulan too. Oh but yeah, by the way, th there's the scene at the jeez. Oh, there's the scene towards the end where it the wings come up behind her and everything, and which was stupid as fuck. Sure. Oh damn. But that's not the same thing as it being a marker. So I was just... no, but like the majority of the movie up until the last five minutes is just a like leads you on your next quest. I will say, just like a knowledge gap for me, I did not know that the phoenix existed in a lot of other cultures. I thought it was a Greek myth mythological creature. I didn't know it existed in other societies. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's huge in Chinese lore. I did not know that. The phoenix is one of my favorite like mystical creatures, and so that's mm -hmm. very interesting to me. So there you go. But, uh, but yeah, so the movie, like it took out certain 
fantastical aspects like Mushu, and it took out the, the, the singing and dancing type things. But it did keep in, it brought in other fantastical aspects like the Phoenix and like a lot of the combat between the, the witch and Mulan. Because right. that was so not the, human stuff. No, the, the aspect of Chi in this definitely seems to be more magical than uh spiritual and uh it, i mean they're both connected to martial arts but yeah this definitely seems to be more magical they could kind of do some things that uh, seem a little far-fetched or fantastical and ryan i know you're you're not so much a fan of the the martial arts films that use kind of like the wire work so what what were your thoughts on the fight aspects the fighting scenes in this well, I started cursing both of you as soon as uh, we were watching the ch- little girl chase the chicken, and sh- then she started like doing weird floaty things. I was like, they knew what they were doing to me when they <laughs> yeah. made me watch this. I hadn't yeah. seen any of it, so I didn't know that. But Dude, uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, there's none of that in that's true. the cartoon. And how else would I supposed yeah, to Yeah, no, know? I know. Well, I, I was more thinking like they they are watching this and they they are seeing this happen and they know that I'm at home cursing right now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I did not enjoy very much of the of this movie at all. But specifically, especially the whatever action, the few action sequences were in it were it's, not that great for me. It's actually a little upsetting because you have you know Donnie Yen and Jet yeah. Lee. You have uh, Jason Scott Lee and uh, Liu Yifei and Gong Li, and all of them have done martial arts movies in the past. And, you know, they're all very talented actors and martial artists. So you would think that there'd be less green screen, less wires, and more of their ability. But whatever yeah i'm with you there knowing now that the budget was 200 million dollars i really wonder where all that money went because there aren't any big spectacular action sequences or you know any massive set pieces seemingly that would cost a fortune and while these are like some really great actors and some really great martial artists there's nobody in here that's getting paid like 30 million dollars and no one is showcasing their really good martial arts. There's like one cool scene with Donnie Yen where he's like doing part of a kata. And there's the scene at the beginning, which was none of the actors that we mentioned. The young girl when she was doing the, the kata with the staff was mm-hmm. really good. But that was basically the extent of the cool martial arts. Everything else was like wall running, let's fly through the air and have no weight behind anything type stuff. Yeah. And that was unfortunate. Yeah, I was <laughs> expecting more action in it. You know, that's one of the advantages to making it live action versus having it be a, a cartoon is that you can make it these bigger armies, you know, and make it. Uh, it is a scale. war film. Right. It, like, With no it, war. And that's what we were supposed to see. That's what they kept saying is that, like, you know, this isn't a princess fairy tale. This is about a war hero. So. I, I did expect to see more. Now, I was really impressed with the sets, you know, when they panned out and showed the 
just Chinese landscape of everything. It was absolutely when it gorgeous. wasn't green screen. It was right, yeah. right. When but it like, wasn't green screen, but the Imperial City looked really cool. Mulan's village looked amazing, and just uh, the desert and the snow. Like when they were actually shooting in those environments, it looked gorgeous. So maybe that's where the money went. The beginning and the end of my praises for this movie have to do with the visuals, honestly. The costuming, the the sets, yeah, that was all great, but that's where, like, my enjoyment of the movie ended. And, like, the the witch, she was a really cool design. Honestly, I really love the design of her character, but, like, as a cosplayer, watching her wear that chest piece, I know the pain of, like, not being able to bend forward, and I could see <laughs> the actress, like, really struggling with that. Yeah. Um. So that that's was funny, funny but, yeah... Well, it, a huge praise for Gong Li because, like, it, most of these actors are much older than they appear. Gong Li is fifty-five years old, and, and Donnie the Yen played the witch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Donnie Yen and Jet Li are not like summer children anymore. You know, no. they're, they're in <laughs> there. Seeing Jet Li was a huge surprise. I had no idea he was in this. I didn't either. I didn't even recognize him at first until Ray pointed it out. I was like, the voice sounds so familiar, and I just couldn't place it. You can kind of tell in the eyes, but yeah, it's really hard to recognize him. It was much more obvious at the very end. Yeah. But, but again, like he, yeah. you have Jet Li in your movie. Now, don't get me wrong. He's almost 60, right? So obviously he's not going to do what he did when he was, you know, 30. In his 20s and 30s, yeah. But – he doesn't get to really do much of anything from a martial arts perspective. And it's just kind of a shame because first off, he's playing the emperor, which is a really cool role for him. And it's kind of badass. And they made him a lot more of a, you know, imposing kind of threatening character than they did in the cartoon with him, like willing to go out and like fight on his own, you know, for, for his people was really cool. And then you don't get to see that happen. I mean, he got more to do than what the Emperor does in the cartoon, so they did increase the part a bit, but, I like, for me, as soon as I saw it's Jet Li, I'm like, oh, well, this should just be a Jet Li and Donnie Yen movie. <laughs> I would have been on board for that, honestly. And, you know, you could still keep Jason Scott Lee as the villain, because... Yeah. You know, I thought he was a good, over-the-top Disney villain. You know, I thought, like, Jason Scott Lee, this is not his first Disney movie he's been in. He was also in the 1994 Jungle Book. So he knows how to act in a Disney film up against green screen and mocap. And I thought he did wonderful. Bori Khan was uh, probably one of my favorite characters i think i preferred him and the witch he was fine but like the the whole problem with the villains in this movie is that they took the witch and made her the main villain essentially and so the other guy who was the main villain in the cartoon the animation got pushed to the side and you just didn't give a shit about him once the witch was out of the picture like they made it seem like you should care about what's happening and then you don't like okay he got beaten well big surprise the witch did get a much better story but ultimately, I think all the characters suffered from not great storylines. They I... made Cricket into a person? Like, yeah, come on, that was stupid. He was adorable, though. He was. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't have any problem with the actor. I'm he just was saying. A soft little they... cinnamon roll that I wanted to hug. <laughs> the problem with 
I have. A, I'll preface this by saying I have only watched this of the Disney live action remakes. Mm-hmm. I my thought was going into it that you only let do a live action remake of these movies if there's a point to it, like if you can add something to the movie. And in this one, I, and I, from what I've heard about the other ones, it feels like it's less than the animated version because they take out everything that's interesting or good or charming about the animation. I realized that Mushu was offensive to people. And so this is disregarding that fact, just taking objectively in the animated version. I enjoyed Mushu. He brought a lot to it and Cricket. And so when you remove them and you remove, again, some of the best songs that they've had in any of the Disney movies, it, it's, it's a much lesser movie for me, not like not even close. I think that's a problem with the live action movies because I, I have enjoyed... Uh, about half of them and I feel like the majority of them even the ones I have enjoyed remove a lot of the heart and the soul in place of spectacle yeah can you honestly say that any of those like added anything to your experience over what the animation did um maybe beauty and the beast yeah, the song that Dan Stevens gets to sing uh, Evermore is absolutely wonderful, and I think it improved upon the Beast storyline. Um, and then Cinderella, I think, had a much better story with uh, both Cinderella and the Prince. I think they had better storylines, to be completely honest. They were better written. And to, to add to Beauty and the Beast, I also think having it live action led Credence to the Beast and the castle being a lot more imposing and a lot more intense and kind of ratcheting up when there were supposed to be scary moments where you thought, you know, Belle or her dad were really in some type of mortal danger. It's more believable in the live action version versus the animated version. But with everything else, I, I think yeah. maybe the only other exception is Dumbo because it's more of an actual full-length feature film in the live-action version, whereas the original animated version isn't even a full-length feature film. It's 65 minutes long. You know, like, it's shorter than The Nightmare Before Christmas because they had no money, and it was just a a desperate attempt to get some money back. And the live-action one, I mean, you've got Michael Keaton, which is already a plus, right? But they actually fleshed out the whole story and put together a full feature film. And so Mm -hmm. I think that makes it much more important. That's fair, but the thing with Dumbo is it's not hard to improve upon that you know your main character didn't talk it's the shortest film uh Disney's produced in the animated canon and you know the tail end of it is hugely racist so (laughs) it's not like they were really struggling with that one you're absolutely right Tim Burton could have like just re-released Alice in Wonderland called it Dumbo and (laughs) it still would have been better but like Aladdin, for example, you know, as much as I liked it, it definitely doesn't have the same soul that the animated one has. There's something that isn't recaptured. The magic isn't the same. And I think with this, it's the same thing. The movie feels hollow because, it it, I mean, you can't not compare it to the animated movie if you've seen it. Like, there's just no way around it. And it's like close but off. You know, it's not a shot for shot remake like they did with The Lion King. You know, because they changed so much. But, like, Eddie Murphy's character, while Mushu was, was an offensive character, the one positive aspect is that he was this kind of comic relief 
in a movie where the main character is going through some really serious stuff. And and that's where the offense comes in. Like he's he is he's not offensive because he's a stereotype or anything like that. It's offensive that the ancestor guardian is kind of a bumbling fool. Totally. And I'm 100 percent on board with that. But that should have been that role should have been assigned to somebody else. There should have been some character, one of the other warriors, right? Because all these people were basically drafted. They're not soldiers yet. That's the whole point. So any one of them could have been that bumbling fool who could have added some comic relief, at least in the first, you know, in the second act of the movie. Well, I think it really does a lot of harm, the fact that Mulan has no one to confide to. And Mushu was also that. He was her best friend, and he was the only other character besides the cricket that knew that she was a woman. And she could, you know, kind of open up and be herself around him, whereas in this, she is nobody. Mm-hmm. And I, I did appreciate that they completely showed off how much she had to you know, tiptoe around everybody. She had to be up before everybody and go to sleep later than everybody. She couldn't shower for like five weeks. So I I think it was really good that they showed her struggle, but it would have humanized her more and it would have had it had more soul to the film if she had a friend. It was kind of like for me, if you were going to remake Aladdin, which obviously they did, but then you were going to remove the genie as like a character that keeps popping up and just have it be like a force that grants his wishes or something. Um, you know, you, you're missing a huge part of the character of the movie and uh, mm-hmm. kind of a, I, like you could say comedic relief makes it sound like less than what it is, but it like, cause Genie was more than that. And I think Mushu a little bit was too. It, it, it just serves to break up the, uh, you know, the bore. I don't know. This movie was straight up boring. So for me, it was. Well, I, I'm with you there. I think the problem. I think to kind of balance those two thoughts is that she doesn't have anybody to talk off of. So there's not even yeah. like any like forced exposition. There's nothing. It's just silent a good chunk mm-hmm. of the time. And the movie's not serious enough for the silence to have like a lot of weight to it, right? Because this right. is a PG kids movie, really. At the end of the yeah, day, no blood during yeah. a war, right. like. It- Zero. Even though she kills people, well, even she that, literally stabs people. Yeah. Well, in the hallway fight scene, you got a dude with uh, like a Morning Star, and they've all got swords, and they all they kill everybody supposedly, and there's no blood, right? And so th- there's not enough weight to those silences to feel really heavy, and you need somebody to bounce off of. And in you know, well, in- the solution is you have one of the soldiers be the uh, comic relief or multiple. And it doesn't have to be cricket. You could pick on any of the others. And then you actually have the phoenix, like, talk to her and confide mm-hmm. or, like, comfort her. Like, that. then you're not making fun of the ancestral guardian. And you still get some of the comedy from the soldiers. Because, like you said, they are drafted and they're not trained at the beginning. There's no reason why you couldn't have them be silly. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think it was actually more important to have that than to show, like, the Lee Fay guy get expelled because he, like, spilled some of his water on purpose. Like, that that was not important to me enough, whereas 
the stuff that we just talked about missing was. Well, right, because like it's almost like they did that to show that the rules are real. But like, I believe that. I, you didn't have to convince me of that. I believe that that yeah. was the case. I like your idea of, of how she would talk to the the phoenix because you could kind of handle that like Mufasa after he dies. Yeah, like a voice, or you could just do it like a voice in her head. Really, I mean, it doesn't have to have a physical form. Right. Well, because they are ready. Yeah, they already showed that she is seeing the phoenix more in her imagination as like a push for her to continue. When when Donnie Yen is like going through and listing off all the rules, the only thing I could think of is that character of Parks and Rec that's like, you overcooked chicken, straight to jail. Undercooked chicken, straight to jail. It was like he was going through this list and every consequence is exactly the same. So I, it was just like, I started quoting that to my girlfriend, straight to jail. Every time it was so funny. I couldn't get past that. That was good. Yeah, so good. Funny. Uh, now I'm stuck on it. Yeah, it, I mean that scene. Yeah. If you rewatch it with that in your head, it's basically the same thing, except way less funny. Oh yeah, it's more and more funny if you get that straight to jail in your head. No, well, I love it. There That's was great. one. There was one part of the battle that really bothered me that I just want to throw out there and just see if it was, was it with the fabrics that he that, where like magic fabrics that they're like grabbing things with. No, because that was just uh, part of, that was the fantastical chi concept and like that's more of a conceit okay. than than anything else. But I'm more talking about the incredibly amazingly accurate trebuchets. Yes, that were like, yeah, because I mean, if you know anything about using a projectile weapon like that, like not one that shoots. And we play D and D, we know. Right. I mean, there's to be accurate with something like that, you have to have like several test shots to get get it right. Not one test shot. Every shot is perfect. I think it's funny that that bothers you, but the fabric doesn't. Because what's to say that that could just be a chi thing too? Maybe the guy operating the trebuchet or catapult or whatever it was. That's not ever shown. Right, no one's shown trying to manipulate the trebuchet or the stones when they're thrown. Whereas, like the fabrics are just being used as a weapon as part of that form of the martial arts, and yeah. so it's an easier sell for me in the in the fantastical I'm... aspects. But the, the trebuchet thing gets even worse though because they're absolutely a hundred percent accurate every time, except when they're going to shoot at a mountain and cause an avalanche, an avalanche, which for some reason none of them think is a bad idea. Right? Yeah, it doesn't cross one of their minds. Like, maybe don't shoot at the mountain covered in snow. Well, like, they're, they're, the whole idea of her becoming the bird swarm and getting all those guys grouped up into those little shield units is so the trebuchet can hit a big group at once. That makes, yeah. at least there's a logic to that if you ignore the accuracy. It's tactical, right? Right. Yeah. But when they turn around to shoot behind rocks that they can't see so they have no idea who's over there they don't even know what they're aiming at if they're aiming at anything and then they miss it by just like a huge huge margin and yeah. so like that like, and that's all how the whole battle ends and how she has to re- you know reveal who she is at the end of it and so like that was just really i think not well done you want to know what is the absolute worst the worst the worst guys the worst um the worst part of the film is probably supposed to be the most inspiring, but why in the absolute fuck is she going to ride into battle without armor and take down her hair? Like you want to live your truth and be a woman. That's just fine. Go for it. But you probably like, I am no man. Right. (laughs) Like like, you still need 
armor and your hair got in your face so many times. Harley Quinn should have been there with a hair tie for you. Yeah. That was upsetting. That was not the inspirational moment. Like, you could totally tell that Carol wanted that to be the no man's land of this movie. But that's not what I got from it. It, that, That was not it. That was a bitch what are you doing you just were dressed out for gym class and you're cutting early like no well, that that whole sequence was weird too because like they're fighting on ice that like is, sulfuric ice it's like yeah that's a, all the time but, but never it's like falls it through. hot it's like hot ice though yeah like i don't understand what that is and since nobody falls through it like even a little bit like not even a chunk falls in that you might slip into yeah. What purpose did it serve to have any of it crack? None. It no like purpose. Ice, ice if ice was on a geyser or something. I just it, I didn't understand it at all. And like I mean like, I don't know that part of the world very well, so maybe it has to do with it being up high where it's it's very cold, but there's warm waters underneath or something that causes that effect. But just for someone who doesn't have that context, it just seemed weird. I the only thing I know that is that color is sulfur and sulfur is around volcanoes and I'm just really confused about and geysers yeah yeah so, I mean, yeah so I'm just I'm really confused didn't work. what it was but it was a useless threat yeah, right, exactly. so the other the other thing that really bothered me about this movie versus the uh, animated is that in the animated it's portrayed that she's like working hard to develop combat skills and be really good and there's a payoff at the end whereas this one as a as like a five-year-old girl she's already like magical and can probably defeat like most of the army on her own and all this training that she does is basically for nothing because she she's already amazing compared to everybody else so i wish there was an in between you know like I, i wish she had some skill uh, a bit more than what like she Like a basic has. martial arts ability would be right. fine or something like that. But because she's magical, she's essentially a superhero going into this. So mm-hmm. she's why does she need to learn these combats? Uh, you know, it, it's just, she's just putting on a show for everybody. And so you lose that whole inspirational aspect of the original where, you know, you can train and, and get good at something even if you're not good at it. And this one, she's just already good going into it. So she, you don't gain anything out of it. I think I that resonates back with like how hollow the movie feels. Yeah. Everything feels very hollow. There isn't really weight to much of anything. And I think it's, it's like they were trying to get a message in and, and, and there's no message message, no matter how hard they tried. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. That's, that's very possible. Cause like, you know, her big, the thing with heroes journeys, right. Is, is we need there to be like a struggle for that hero to overcome. And the reality is, she doesn't overcome a struggle. She just has to decide to stop lying and tell the truth at the risk of her own execution. Like that's what she has to overcome. And so that's just a decision she has to make at some point. And even when she makes it, I'm not even sure she needed to necessarily. They kind of force it by throwing in the line of, you know, you're blocking your chi by your dishonesty. And maybe that's just you know how that works in the lore or, or what have you. But um, I don't know. I'm not really sure how that really functions because as soon as she admits it to herself, but she already knows that she's a woman to herself, she's not lying to herself. So I don't know why that she's unblocked for the whole fight sequence where she goes through yeah. and like saves everybody. That's just, I don't know. It, it just felt very hollow. Oh, I definitely agree. And yeah, 
yeah that that whole th- that's why i like the original anime in mulan so much is because there's good messages in there too uh you know the being able to just work hard and be good at, at something is a really good message you know seeing her start to succeed at some of these tasks uh in the animation was important and it felt meaningful uh and then in this one it like when she finally gets up the thing with the waters it's like okay i mean she's already a superhero so does this really matter in the long run well you know and in the cartoon like her core group they're kind of like a motley crew of like random people they're all interesting they're all they're all interesting they all have like you know obviously it's animation so a lot of things are are exaggerated to make them stand out from each other where in real life it's not that simple but you know they're just they're not ideal soldiers in the cartoon these are guys who never would have really picked up a weapon but they they had to right and it's about them learning how to to fight together whereas in this it's all just a bunch of really really in shape chinese guys yeah one of which just had to keep taking his shirt off (laughs) but like they're all like in good shape like they're all they're all relatively fit and yeah they have a hard time with the water thing up the mountain but that's kind of the point right but the rest of the time they're all just fine they just don't know how to fight yeah except for one of them that does know how to fight but there's not like a struggle for any of them Right. You know, and they removed a lot of those scenes where they really get to kind of know each other and have fun with each other. Like there's the scene in the lake, right, where she's trying to finally have a bath. And, you know, in in this one, one guy comes to talk to her, whereas in the cartoon, it's like the whole group shows up and it's hilarious. And it's a nice break in all the seriousness. And I think that was part of the problem is this movie is really just basically a series of down notes until literally the very end. You don't appreciate tragedy unless you have some comedy and vice versa so and the animation was really good at at balancing that yes it, it was it was a very good example of being able to balance the comedy with because it has some really dark moments too in the animation you know as, as an adult especially when you watch it again it's like man that's pretty like when they're like how many how many people does it take to deliver a message and they just fire the arrow and the and the screen goes black i'm like jesus christ they're just yeah. straight up murdering people in this Disney movie, you know? I, yeah, and then you get a comedy moment right after that. I, I don't know. This movie just, it could have been something much more special than it was, and so that's very disappointing to me. The city was cool. I really liked the round, like, village. Mm-hmm. That was a yeah. cool, des- cool design, not something I've seen before. It made for a much more, like, cinematic and like epic thing when the guy when donnie Yen like at the end marches in and you have the whole town kind of come out around him it was like it felt very natural versus like if it was a dnd city where it's just streets or whatever and you know the town starts to converge that wouldn't have felt quite as natural as just this natural encircling that they got because of the way the village is set up well i think that's so, kind of what we cool. were saying like the production design's pretty good the costume designs, yeah, are costumes wonderful. Costumes are wonderful. The sets are really good. That sword at the end was really cool looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. a lot of stuff is very pretty in this movie. It's a very pretty movie. I the think. costumes are incredible. Beautiful. Like, I love the headdress on the witch. I mean, she mm-hmm. that was really cool looking. The witch looked amazing. Yeah, basically everything about her costume was really cool. Agreed. But even just you know some of the armor that people were wearing. I mean, the emperor's armor was really amazing. Donnie Yen's character's yeah. armor was really cool looking. Just some really beautiful looking stuff. So I mean, everybody who made any stitching or prop or whatever just really nailed it. Agreed. I did think it was interesting that I don't and I mean, and I don't know enough about this time period that they like wouldn't let her wear her father's armor 
when they were actually like going into battle and stuff it would have been more impactful i think if she was like why even bring that armor if you can't actually wear it mm-hmm. you know what i mean you're just like carrying around this legacy that's been handed down from your family and your family for you but you're they're going to give you armor that you're required to wear and can't wear your father's armor i don't know that was a little weird for me because i kind of like the way the father's armor looked and then that would have made her stand out in the battle scenes you would have been able to the the battle the few battle scenes that happened before she uh took off everything i mean i guess that was a way to avoid having her lose her father's armor because she loses the sword you know and she has to take the armor off during that transformation scene so i guess that way it's not his armor that she's losing she could have just like packed it up in a bag or something i mean it's not like it would have been that hard to write it into the script the the sword got physically knocked out of her hand into like one random pool of lava that was sitting there. So I don't think that, you know, they could have figured out a way to make it work. So speaking of that, that's gotta be like the most Looney Tunes elaborate way to kill a guy that you want revenge on that I've ever seen in like a actually serious live action movie. (laughs) Like, so you've got, you've got the guy, he is alone. You've killed off, like you've killed off everybody. It's just him. And you're not going to just get him. You're going to have everybody shoot arrows around him, twist him up in rope, and then tie him above molten something, metal or whatever, that you're going to push him into? It was a lot of work for Why not, not, a, not a great stab payoff. Him? It's like a, it's, what is it, the Guggenheim machine? It's like a Guggenheim machine to kill the guy. Like, yeah, he's got a sword. Just kill, like, he, you've got him tied up. Just, just stab and you win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. I mean, Mulan did stab people in this movie, so that's not, like, totally out of the question for that to happen. And then, like, so they kill the witch, right? They kill the witch, and she's this this big sacrificial moment where she dives in front of the arrow to save Mulan, except that Mulan has dodged, like, half a dozen arrows while riding a horse. She kicked a spear while riding a horse in midair, kicked a spear, and, like, landed back on the horse. But she can't avoid know. one arrow because the guy doesn't shoot anymore. He just shoots the one arrow. He ran out like Hawkeye. <laughs> oh, that's it, guys. Got to go home. I, I'm out of arrows. Like, I, like <laughs> It's difficult because early on, they kind of telegraphed that the witch was going to betray him at some point. Like, they, they yeah. were pretty hard. It was pretty that. heavy-handed. Yeah. Yeah. But, like... He th- called her his slave. Like, Yeah, that was messed up. Yeah. Like, I mean... She's got some pretty amazing powers. I don't know why she put up with it to begin with, and they never really explain that. They just say that, like, she – he says that she needs him for her goal, but we never really find out what that is. Uh, well, considering that she's in all gold and she's the one sitting on the throne at the end, I think that was her goal is to just be accepted like she takes the throne. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I still think there were better ways to have her killed off. Oh, uh, Yeah. I I liked her sacrifice. I actually think that she had the best storyline throughout all this. And I think it's because she was the only one with a fleshed out storyline, a a beginning, a middle and an end. So yeah, while her being killed off as the Hawk is shitty, I, I don't mind it. It made sense for her character. But to be honest, saying that she has, she is the most fleshed out character is not like a high praise for this. No, no, it's really out. not. It's unfortunate. It really is. It I mean, is not a a compliment to the film. I mean, I think it says a lot. That, like we don't even remember a lot of these characters' names. I don't even remember how yeah. many guys were like in her core group. 
I could only see like two of them. It was like five, head. four, and her. I think wasn't it? I don't yeah. remember. Well, it, there, there were six total. So there's Yao, Poe, and Ling, and they're the three cricket. guys who dress up in drag with her at the end of the, the animated film. The animated film. Then there's Cricket, who was you know Cricky from the, the cartoon, and then uh, Huang Wei is her sort of love interest yeah somebody in the chat asked about what you guys thought about the whole weird love interest thing i i go all in right you know if you're gonna do it i i know it's completely americanized and this is an american movie they even say pounds and ounces yeah i brought that up when we were watching it i was like wow they measure they measure things in pounds and ounces in right. right so weird <laughs> so weird so they said that it, like it is still americanized so he should have just grabbed her and kissed her because it, it was absolutely or just leave it out completely because it didn't add anything right. to the movie right it was just kind of half in half out and i'm not a fan of that you know it is a disney movie and sometimes i do expect romance going in so i i would have much rather instead of like this weird handhold thing that he like even if it was a cute peck on the cheek or something that would have been adorable but like isn't it a little weird though because like he knows her as a man for an He's bisexual. Sure, yeah. maybe, but like that, it's it's just like it calls into mind some weird issues. Like if that was me, I would feel really weird about that, and I don't know how I would handle that. You know, it, <laughs> there's just some weird, some weird. Well, yeah, maybe like he rides off, and he's like, "I gotta figure out a few things on my own." Yeah, yeah I need some time <laughs> and, and a lot this of alcohol brought up to try some and stuff. figure this out. Yeah, and a, yeah, and a therapist. This awakens something inside of me. Right. It happens. So maybe he fast. liked her more as a man. I don't know. It happened so quickly <laughs> and was so kind of like not telegraphed earlier on that I just felt like it was just wasted. There just wasn't. Well, as soon as they had his. As soon as they had his weird, like, shirtless scene where he's, like, super cut, like, he had more abs than anybody else. I'm like, oh, yeah, love interest for sure. <laughs> and I didn't think it was going to pay off, but then it finally did. But it, but it, yeah, it finally, finally paid off. With that huge payoff at the end. Like, at least, like, <laughs> have, like, some throwaway line where, like, he's also going to be in the Emperor's Guard or something. So that's part of her decision process or something. But yeah. No, she's going to go be in the Emperor's Guard. We have no idea what happens to him. I guess yeah. he goes home, wherever that is. Yeah, it's it was so weird and uncomfortable the whole time. There was there was no point where I was like, oh, it was more like, uh. I liked him the whole time. She was yeah, the awkward part. Yeah, but it goes back but... to that hollowness, though, right? Mm -hmm. It just feels empty. It felt like um, this. they made this movie to try and make money. And that was there. They weren't like really trying to improve on the old one. It was just like, let's make another movie and well, make money. I think they were definitely trying to avoid the the issues the first one had that people found offensive, right? Because they clearly reworked that stuff by removing Mushu, by removing the songs, by making it more serious. But removing it is not the solution. That's the thing. Is if they if three people that don't do this for a living can sit around and figure out a better way to do it than what they did, then they didn't really try that hard. You know what I'm saying? Or they tried to play it too safe. You yeah, know? that's that's the whole problem with the movie. Is this too safe? I think which made it boring, 
underdeveloped and uh you know i can't imagine a world where i would recommend this to someone over the animated there's no there's no person in this world that i would say you're better off watching this live action version than the animated and that says a lot i think you know at least with maybe lion king and some of these other ones uh, you guys have seen more of them than i have i guess i have seen jungle book um but i i don't I, I I don't know. I'm sure there's some people that might prefer the live action to the animation of those movies because I've heard arguments on both sides for those movies. But this one, I just I don't know. Yeah, I haven't ever heard somebody say that they think this is better than the animated. Well, it's got a 5.6 on IMDb out of 10. Is, yeah, is it? It's not great. IMDb is the most forgiving aggregate site out there. Yeah. So you gotta imagine that Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic are even worse. worse i will say i thought that the uh ming na wen cameo was kind of cute of oh, course she's gonna be in it yeah of course she's gonna be in it i mean disney loves her they have her in every every well, franchise she and she voiced the original yeah. yeah but also they have her in everything so right, star wars but... shield you know all these things now she's in every marvel or every uh, disney project so so rotten tomatoes Great. is very interesting so the audience score is 49 percent but the critic, the critic score is 73, which huh. you know, isn't Weird. amazing or anything, but it's significantly higher than the other two numbers we've discussed. Weird. Right? That is, that is really interesting. And, you know, just as a comparison, the, the animated version is uh, 86 and 85 audience. Wow, those are really close. Yeah. Hmm. Just as a basis of comparison. So. It probably deserves a little higher than that, in my opinion, but the the animated version but you know whatever anything else you guys want to touch on for this um no i'm okay okay i'm glad i watched this overall but i'm very disappointed that's fair well next week we change gears we are gonna be covering wandavision every week two episodes well yeah so the two two episode premiere we'll be covering both episodes and then each week following we'll cover that week's episode so follow us for the next eight weeks as we talk wandavision we'll talk other stuff right we'll keep covering news if any other movies come up we'll do some some double header type episodes and next week will probably be news in all wandavision yeah because it's two episodes yeah and then uh I know we were talking about finally covering uh, Groundhog's Day for the podcast since we our live show falls on Groundhog's Day. We all do love that movie. We do. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'll be hard-pressed to say something negative about that movie. Oh, man, yeah. But I'm looking forward to an excuse to watch it. Oh, yeah, I love <laughs> watching it. <laughs> absolutely uh yeah so join us for all of that kind of goodness we'll be covering the snyder cut when it comes out and captain falcon and the winter soldier uh any other you know movies that come out that we're able to see we'll we'll be covering those as well Mm -hmm. so stay tuned to the screen heroes podcast you can find us at screen heroes pod on twitter heroespodcast.com and the heroes podcast network on facebook where we do the show live tuesday nights at 9 p.m eastern 8 central thank you to everybody who talk to us in chat. I really appreciate you joining us live for that. We also have a forum, Screen Heroes Forum on Facebook. You can talk movies and news and TV shows, memes. We've got tournaments and polls, 
all that kind of good stuff. So Screen Heroes podcast forum for that. Ray, if people want to talk to you, how can they find you? I'm at Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Ryan, what about you? Don't talk to me about Mulan unless you want to talk to me about how bad the action is on Twitter. But um, yeah, at Buster Props. And I'm at the Star Trek dude. So you can talk to me out on Twitter and Facebook. And if you're a Star Trek fan, Ray and I are doing a full rewatch of Star Trek. And we are, I I am tweeting about it after each episode slash movie. So you can follow. I'm replying. You are replying to a lot of them. That is definitely true. Thank you everybody for joining us. We appreciate your time. We will catch you next week when we talk WandaVision. Good night, everybody.